0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Midtown Creve Hall Advent Podcast. Uh, This is part of a larger playlist that hopefully you're finding on Spotify, and the goal is just to help you engage in this Advent season well. Uh, My name is Jeremy Kemp. I'm the pastor here uh, at Midtown Creve Hall, and this is our second podcast together. Every week of Advent, we've just asked one of our members to share how they are living an ordinary life in an extraordinary intentionality in this tension between the two advents or comings of Jesus, right? Because if Jesus initiated the redemption of the world 2,000 years ago, and he will complete it, When he returns, then we are in this middle weird place where he has come, he's doing good work in our hearts, he's doing good work in this world, but this world still has so far to go, and we have so far to go. And. If you want a a fuller description of that, you can go back and listen in our first podcast uh, where we spend a little bit more time kind of fleshing that out. But I want to go ahead and jump into our conversation for today because we're going to have a lot of good stuff uh, to talk through. So today we've got with us Robin Dillard. Hi, Robin. Hey, Jer. (laughs) Ah, I love that somebody calls me Jer here. It means I've arrived. Yes, that is, uh, that is a nickname that goes all the way back to my childhood. Thank you for calling me that. <laughs> um, so, Robin, could you go ahead and introduce and just say a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm Robin Dillard. Um, I am married to tall Dave Dillard, banjo player. Tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> Midtown Creepall. Um, and I have two kids, um, Polly Weir, um who a lot of a lot of us know in our congregation um and um and a son jonathan who's in the coast guard and um he's Hmm. 27 and comes to visit often not not often enough but um and two grandkids um james and davy and so um i've lived in nashville i came i moved here to go to college uh four years ago Vanderbilt.
0: Okay.
1: And uh, so I've lived in Nashville 40 years now, much longer than I than I lived my hometown. So, Mm. yeah, um, seen Nashville change through all the seasons, and and now look at Nashville.
0: Sounds like it's come a long way in 40 years. Yes, it really has. Mm. Yeah. And you're from where originally?
1: Tampa, Florida. Yeah. Yep. Go Bucks. Yep. Go Bucks. (laughs) True.
0: (laughs) Sorry, Titans fans. Um. Good. And tell us a little bit about the work that you're spending a lot of your time doing right now.
1: Yeah, I work. I've worked with Serving Group for thirty years, and um, it's evolved through the years. But right now, I work a lot with refugees uh, in the Nashville area, and um, that has my heart. Hmm. Yeah. So
0: love it. Well, that is. We're definitely going to dig way more into that and your work there. Um, Because I think we have a lot to learn Mm. about even this sort of invisible group that lives right among us and is so easy to miss. Uh, So I'm very thankful uh, to be talking with you today. But can we also, um, part of what we're trying to do is reflect on Scripture to help lead us through uh, this Advent season. And we've been reflecting through the book of Isaiah, uh, both in our sermons and our time together on Sundays in worship, and also um, during the week in these podcasts. So our passage today is Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 10. And Robin, could you read that for us? Oh, yeah, sure.
1: There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the shepherd shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the wean child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious.
0: Hmm. All through this passage, there are these echoes to sort of this, this new world and this greater reality You know, places like verse four that with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. So, righteousness, equity, justice like these are all things that we Mm -hmm. long to see. And we look at our world and it's just not like that. And that's part of the tension that we live in. And it's part of the tension that Isaiah is living in, because part of part of Isaiah's job is to communicate for God. These are things I have against you, Israel. And one of those things that God has against His people, Israel, is that they're not caring for the poor. So God has mm. a heart for the yeah. poor, always has, always will, um, and and that goes way deeper than even material poverty, all the way down to the poverty of our own selves and our own spirits. Uh, but. That idea that he cares for the poor and, and that ironically, he's speaking to a group of people who would find themselves as refugees just a few years later and have some of that same experience that a lot of the people that you work with yeah. do. And so this passage speaks so much to that reality of what it's like to live as a refugee mm-hmm. in a way that all of us do. I, I imagine that we live in this in-between place where we're not home. And we're pilgrims on the way to this home that is described here. right? But we're not there yet. So anyways, in thinking about refugees, as we were reading through this passage, and who should we ask to come and talk to us about this perfect world of righteousness and justice where all are cared for and treated with the heart of God? Who can come and talk to us about that? And we thought of Robin (laughs) Dillon. So Robin, tell us a little bit more about Servant Group, what it is, what you do, where it came from, Mm. kind of the origin story and all the rest. Mm.
1: Well, Servant Group was started um, in about 30 years ago um, in the aftermath of the Gulf, the first Gulf War, um, which I don't know if you remember, were you even born? Yes. Come on. <laughs> so Operation Desert Storm yep. and Schwarzkopf and all that, okay. In the aftermath of that, um, hundreds of Kurds fled their own country hmm. in the northern part of Iraq and uh, started coming to Nashville. And uh, and so servant groups seeing all of these Kurds coming um, was formed in response to that um, because something had to be organized basically to organize the christians who wanted to to minister to these folks Um, dave and i actually started a year before sermon group started Um, we um, were newly married Um, i guess it was we were about 26 in a new church plant in green hills pca church plant and we had a pastor who really just challenged us let's find a people group in the world that doesn't have a gospel witness and let's just start praying and so Dave and I, yeah, we'll do that. We'll pray. And so we would meet, I mean, this is a prayer effort, like we would meet before work and gather mm. and pray. And and the Lord led us to the Kurdish nation. At that time it was 25 million people, no gospel witness, no church, no Bible, um, just mm. really, um, um the Lord just uh, showed us how powerful our prayers could be, and and we were committed to pray. We did that for um, about a, a solid year, um, trying to trying to find out information about the Kurds. Who are they? You couldn't hardly find a book in the library about the Kurds, mm. and especially a Muslim people group like no one knew Muslim people groups or what a Muslim even was. Because mm, there's so, a lot
0: more of a view of kind of that's the enemy
1: yeah yeah but time, 30 years true? ago muslims were primarily in michigan wow uh and and so um like we were finding books on islam what is islam about and mm. so, so that was the movement so after a year of that um i was eight months pregnant with polly um the end of the gulf war happened um they started coming to Nashville. Not just several families, but hundreds
0: of families. Do you have any idea what the reason for that was?
1: Well, you, you know, I've I've heard all kinds of things. One being that refugees could get work quickly. We had Opryland. They were getting work. Mm. And then so once a few get work, then it just compiles. Like, like word gets our, around? Yeah, word gets around to, okay. to our government. And, oh, these people can find work. <laughs> people are helping them. There's a good church community. We're going to keep sending them. But but hundreds, literally. Um, so
0: they were placed by the government yeah. here.
1: We became, Nashville became the largest um, settlement of Kurds outside of Iraq in our nation. That's incredible. So Dave and I had been praying for over a year before they started coming. So our little church really believed, oh, we'll just, we'll send money to a, an agency, like what could we possibly do? We're fifty people; we're half the size of Midtown Creve Hall. Wow, small. Hmm. And, and so that's how we got involved with the Kurds—like through just prayer.
0: And, and then, then God brought them to and your then doorstep. Then
1: hundreds, hundreds. <laughs> well, one of the first people that we met was Fozzle. No way. Yes. He he was one of the first families that came, him and his brother's family. Wow. And so they were the original family that we helped settle.
0: Mm. And, and is uh, a custodian who's yeah. been helping us yeah. in our various places of, yeah. of dwelling for the yeah. past nine years yeah, as yeah. a church.
1: Yeah. So we walked into Creve you know, Creef Hall for the first time. It was like there's Fosel. You're we like, What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So anyway, Dave and I, we didn't know anything about refugee resettlement or the or or any state agency or fed agency nothing really it's like god just picked us up and plopped us right in the middle of this kurdish community wow. and uh and so that's how we got involved hmm. uh we we just learned right with them we didn't know um yeah we we were new believers who barely knew how to share our faith <laughs> Anyway. Mm. um, And so fill
0: in the gap from then till now, what does that work look like these days?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's changed uh, because um, God did bring the Kurds here and then God took, we we ended up joining Servant Group a year later, and then took Servant Group to Iraq and other places in the world wherever Kurds were um, because we were their friend. Mm. And, the, um, the, and the, at the time, Kurds had no friends. Mm. Um, the, the nations around them didn't like them. Um, and so we were their friends. Uh, and we ended up testifying in, in the Senate on the Kurds' behalf. He guy would just move us around. Wherever the Kurds need an ally is where we went. Wow. Uh, for at least the first decade, mm. we did translation projects. In Nashville, the Jesus film was completed here in Kurdish. Um, we published a few books in their own language, telling them of their Bible history, like hmm. they're the ancient Medes. Uh, so, so they have wow. a rich biblical history that, that
0: they, they didn't know. know. Yeah. Wow. So that
1: was the first decade, like telling them, y- you know, you're the Medes. Well, we just want to share, like, here, here you are in the Bible. Hmm. So it was pretty easy. Hmm. <laughs> so um, th- and then the and then we started. Sc- well, we, we were doing all kinds of work in Iraq, but then we started schools about twenty years ago um, in Iraq. In Iraq, yeah, Western based schools, and so and then we recruit staff to to, uh, to serve over there. Hmm. And so that was a lot of our um, our our work became that building these schools then turning them over to um, Kurdish leadership. And yeah, um, mm-hmm. we used it as leverage, actually. Um, mm-hmm. The church has started over in Iraq, um, but it was being threatened. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we thought, you know what, if we, if we start a, a Western-based English school system, uh, whenever th- the church gets threatened, uh, we will just, uh, we will close those schools down. Mm. and all the politicians had their kids in the schools wow and so it was the perfect leverage to uh to grow the church wow during that phase yeah that is
0: wise as serpent's innocent as doves. That yeah yeah amazing.
1: it is it, it was the lord mm. yeah the lord's work um and, and then re- then the refugee um, crisis all over the world started happening um with afghanistan syria emptied out Northern Africa, so and in Iraq as well. People coming out of uh, because of the ISIS mm. um, situation in Iraq, and so you had people just—it was a mass exodus—and um, so we started getting into refugee um, relief in um, in in Greece and Turkey, and then also Nashville. Wow! So that sort of came in the last handful of years mm-hmm. you know 2015 um, we got into it started taking teams overseas to Europe and um, in Iraq and 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 then just building the the community here in Nashville Wow yeah wow. so um, it, it's we didn't we didn't start serving group to deal with the Kurdish refugees really it was really to minister to the Kurds as a nation hmm. and then the refugee um, thing is what God, God led us into
0: just kind of along the way and what does that look like today?
1: Yeah. So I think if you look at Nashville, we have, if you, if you go in the Haywood Lane, uh, district in Antioch, we have something like maybe 91 people groups, Mm. um, that, that call Nashville home, Mm. um, refugee groups.
0: Not even just refugee groups. Yeah, just
1: the groups. They have their own culture, their own language, everything. Yeah. Um, And and so, um, yeah, very rich refugee community in Nashville. Um, And so, pick a group. (laughs) Who do you want to work with? Yeah, they're all, they're all, um, they all need advocates. Mm. And it's hard to find. uh, And certain are trying
0: to meet. All of those groups, or is no, it still just focused on primarily we, on the Kurdish population?
1: Our pro- our programs have about five or six um, main main groups: um, Afghans, Iraqis, Iranians, uh, folks from Myanmar, mm. Egyptians, Syrians. So six, seven groups okay. that uh, that that join our programs and. Um, and really the heart of serving group now is to train the church hmm. how to reach out to your refugee neighbor. That's what really, that's what drives us. That's what gives us joy um, is to is to train others, to multiply, in, in effect, multiply ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a small staff in Nashville, about a dozen people. Okay. And, and so... And there's thousands of refugees, <laughs> so the need yeah yeah is big need yeah yeah right big now. need wow yeah so we, we work a lot of doing on ramp projects uh, to introduce um, Christians in uh, in a, in a, a non threatening way like just meet a friend and we we do walk and talks you know we meet up a park at a park and and go for um, a walk with a refugee and they practice for English and hopefully. That'll lead to a friendship mm. down the road. Um, so we, we do things like, we call them on-ramps, just uh, very non-threatening um, activities mm-hmm. that Americans can, can do and meet and have like a cross-cultural experience.
0: Yeah. Our
1: ESL program's like that too. You can come and be an assistant teacher for a little bit and just watch and participate and uh, or be in the childcare, mm-hmm. um, that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah,
0: and the goal is in all of that to sort of build a relationship. Yeah, yeah. that is where real life change.
1: Yeah, they the re- it's funny. I mean, the the refugees are not shy at all about meeting an American friend. Like mm. most, will not have a single American friend. So if they can have one American friend that they can invite over to coffee or tea, it's like they feel like they've um, accomplished something in the uh, country. Uh, someone they can call if they need help with their kids. or mm. So one American friend is sort of what we, we try to wow. give people that vision. And yeah. that can make
0: all the difference for yeah. the family.
1: For, for that family and then their kids, and, and their kids, mm. yeah, it makes
0: all the difference in the world, yeah. Mm. That's, there's so many more questions I wanna ask you. Um, so, okay, maybe one more question and then let's let's talk a little bit about the passage. Do you see, are there any mm. stories that stick out over the past number of years that you could, in you know, a confidential way, mm. share about a family that you've seen changed by the work of Servant Group?
1: Well, I, I, think, I, I think as you enter into a friendship with a family, you enter into all of their needs. That may be helping them get a driver's license, or sh- shift through their, their um, food stamp papers, mm-hmm. or get them insurance. Or, so I would say all of the families that we're working with have been a- impacted in that way, that oh. they have allies, uh, people that when they get this letter in the paper, they can't in the mail that they can't read, wow. they're taking a picture of it and sending it to us. Uh, so I would say it, it, all the the families in our programs. Like right now, we have about sixty five in our ESL program, and in our sewing program, there's there's always about fifty. Mm. Uh, so, and then it, there's a sea of volunteers that it takes to run those programs. So each of our volunteers, you know, ha, has friendships along the way with with these families. Um, w- one story that to me. It sort of took me by surprise. There was this woman um, named Lena, and, um, and and she came to town. She she had three three sons, and she was pregnant with her fourth son. And um, and so I met her actually in in our English program. And uh, she was I was at that time I was teaching in the literacy the, the like the very first level, which the literacy program, they, they weren't educated in their own language. So you're trying to teach them really about how to learn Mm. symbols, something totally foreign to them as far as a new language. And so she was in that, in that level. And and so, but her speaking of English was much better than, you know, her grammar and her writing and any of that. Uh, so this went on for like maybe six months and, um, she, I got a phone call from her number, and so I answered it, and, and it was her son. And, uh, hello, ma'am. Hello, teacher. This is Muhammad. Hi, what's up? Uh, I'm just on the phone because my mom wanted me to call you, and she wanted to ask you something. And I said, about class? And he said, no. He said, she wants you to be her mom. And I said, what? And she said she's her mom, she left her mom when she left Syria. Sorry. Mm. (laughs) And she was pregnant. And she knew that she was gonna need a mom. Mm. And so she sent her son to call me to ask me. And I said, I will be. I'll be her mom, and so we developed just this heat, just tight relationship, and um, and I saw her through the the birth of her of her son, and then just being with her in those <laughs> those early months, just like a mom would be, mm-hmm. and um, it just really made an impact on me because I really was thinking, you know what? I'm just teaching English, <laughs> but I wasn't just teaching English. Like it, and it still does. It, it it is so much more than just teaching English. It is, it is um, fulfilling a need that all of these women have, um, to be mothered and cared for, it and to call and and I never expected that. I just never thought about it, and I I didn't know. Mm. Yeah, so. That's, <laughs> Sorry. No, that's amazing. <laughs> Still crying Thank you. over that one. <laughs> She's since moved to Michigan and I can't be in her house anymore, but we stay in touch.
0: Mm. So neat. Well, help us reflect on this passage a little bit in how your work with Servant Group International brings some of that new heavens, new earth reality of this justice and righteousness and goodness to bear on Nashville.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I love that passage, I especially love um, the part where he says, um, before that verse 4, when it says, he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. And I think as Americans, um, part of what we do is be quick to judge. If someone doesn't look like us or if they don't speak our language, or if they're wearing a headscarf. Um, they're different. They're not American. I'm already judging them. I can't be their friend. Just all, the, all that all goes, that goes along with judging. So this passage says, it won't be like that.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: will do what's right. He will do it with equity. And I think at Servant Group, what we do through our programs and training volunteers is, We are giving these, women especially, that's most of our population, we are giving them a voice. We are saying, how can we help you? And we're so proud of you. And thank you for having me in your house and serving me tea. Um, And in that regard, they've become a person again after Mm. their long journey, leaving the place they love, leaving their home country. Being in refugee camps, some in camps for four years or more, mm. um, we are saying, we see you. We see you. I know who you are. And I'm not going to judge you based on what you're wearing today. I'm not going to judge you that you don't know English. I'm going to listen to your story. I'm going to listen to the whole story from the time you were a little girl into the time God brought you here tell the whole thing to me Mm. and to me that's a picture of the new heavens new earth there will be not not any judging
0: Mm. Mm. yeah and like the the tension that we live in is bringing that reality and plucking it out of the future and applying it in the now and that's that's what you're doing with servant group and that's you know i'm sure what that's a small microcosm of an entire life Mm. lived with sort of that future orientation. Well, the last thing we have to talk about, and we close uh, every one of our podcasts like this, only Robin and I have the pleasure of uh, warming ourselves by Mm. (laughs) these four candles, but Mm -hmm. we have one of the same sets of the Advent candle wreaths that you can pick up uh, at church on Sunday here in front of us. And we've got these two candles lit. Uh, On this second week of Advent, we light the peace candle as a a memorial, a memento, a, a realization of the fact that we are headed for a world that is perfect in peace. So, could you talk a little bit about how does your work with Servant Group and how does just you in entering into this season, how does your work bring you and others peace?
1: Yeah, you know when I. When I see that word peace, I always go to God's word of shalom. Complete shalom is when everything is is unbroken, shall we say, <laughs> and and we're all and we're whole in our beings. We're not broken either. Uh, and so, to me, that's the peace I see when I light the candle. Like that's the hope for for the refugees, not. To feel the brokenness, um, or the longing, or uh, for for their home, or for their moms, or any of that, but to be um, to be a whole person again, um, for their well being to be recreated, I guess, uh, for it to be shalom, much more than just our English word, I guess, of peace, but the full context of of
0: peace. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I see. Yeah, and as those who have, like this passage also points to the reality that we are now able to receive that kind of shalom, not in total, yes, but in part and in real part because yes. of the incarnation of Jesus.
1: Yes. Prince of Peace. Exactly. Yeah. And that drives, of course, um, because when a person does come to the Lord... Um, of course, they feel that that peace they've never known. Mm. internal peace, mm. yes, internal peace.
0: yeah. So, and then, as his people yes. freed with that kind of internal peace, yeah in a world that still does look nothing like yes. the the peace that's coming, but to begin to live by faith, yeah that because that has begun in my heart, I can trust that it will continue yeah, amen in this world until it's completed.
1: yeah, amen and he comes back, yeah.
0: Gah! I want to talk for so much longer, but everybody in the other room is uh, is yelling. Stop! Stop! <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but this is uh, this has been really good, Robin. I want to talk to you more about this um, and continue Thanks, to learn Jeremy. about what uh, your heart for the Lord and your heart for uh, this particular mm-hmm. people group is. Um, something you don't come across very often. And mm-hmm. so the the beauty of it, mm-hmm. and the beauty of even the tears in your eyes mm-hmm. that communicate a deep love uh, for someone outside of yourself, and mm-hmm. really outside of your purview, if you were to yeah. sort of live, you know, live in the natural rhythms of the normal American life. But being able yeah. to uh, to see through your eyes has helped me, and hopefully
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, is helping uh, our people to uh, to in their own way see the people that may be unseen, right around them. So yeah, awesome. thank you for being here. Nice. Uh, stay tuned next week. This is uh, next week will be part three of our podcast series with uh, Claire Emmerich, licensed mental health counselor, and she's going to uh, put some words to Isaiah 9 that those who have walked in darkness have seen a great light and helping people who are walking in their own darkness uh, to see uh, the light of the Lord. Uh, if this is new to you, this uh, information is making you curious about learning more about Jesus uh, or more about our church. You can uh, visit us at midtownfellowshiporg slash hall and uh, and connect with us on the Instas and the socials and all those things as well. So, uh, with that, we'll leave it with you. Thank you again, Robin. Happy Advent, everybody.